how easy are you to work with? How easy is it to find the information? How easy is it to order and ask for a change or complain, right? We love to talk about quality and commitment and caring and trust in people. Here's what the research shows. Today, the primary differentiators are speed, speed of service, speed of access, speed of answers, uh, flexibility, accommodation, and convenience. Today, for the first time ever, convenience has supplanted quality as the primary driver for, for business. Welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast, hosted by Andy Lapata, the show where Andy and his guests explore the many ways in which relationships impact business decisions, make leaders' jobs easier, and help you to progress your career. Hello and welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast. I'm Andy Lapata. Thank you very much for joining me. My guest this week is an American author and speaker who I met at a speaking convention, I would say about eight or nine years ago. And we've followed each other's careers since. We we always get on very well. And he's one of those people who, where whenever you look at what they're doing, it's got a mark of quality about it. You can see someone who knows his topic, who presents it in a phenomenal and often a refreshing and sharp way, and, and therefore was the perfect person to invite onto uh, the Connected Leadership Podcast. He is the author of five books on marketing and customer experience. And what I want to focus in on during our conversation today is the latter part of that, which is where his most recent work has been. Is I don't think it's something we've really talked about on the Connected Leadership Podcast. We talk a lot about your internal relationships, uh, but maybe not as much in some forms uh, uh, about the relationships outside your organization and particularly with your customers. So the theme of our conversation is building great customer relationships. And my guest is David Averin. David, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me on the show. You know, I, I love the show. Um, I've listened to a number of episodes and I, and I subscribe as well. And so I'm thrilled that we're able to talk in a professional capacity because we see each other at yeah. events and conventions as we're working with, with clients and also working to improve our craft. And so, you know, so many things have changed in terms of how we connect with customers today. And in many ways, COVID has accelerated, you know, what's long been predicted about how we're going to engage and interact. And I'd love to talk more about that with you today. Great. Well, we're going to go into that. And I am going to ask you about the changes you've seen over the course of your career and, and the key sure. accelerants, because obviously COVID is an accelerant, um, but digital media is an accelerant as well, and many Absolutely. other things. Before I do, um, just before we started recording, you said to me, Andy, I just want to make one thing clear. I, I, I don't talk about customer service. I talk about customer experience. Yeah. And we get all we get all these terms banded around. So let me pick four. And I, I, if you look at them, I think common sense tells you the difference between them to a degree. But I'd like your insights to, to go a little bit further on this. So can you distinguish for us between customer service and customer experience, but also customer loyalty and customer relationships? Um, absolutely. I'm, I'm writing this down, so I make sure, because that's four. Andy, that's a lot to remember. Yeah. You know, I know I, you I, can cope. We've been talking about customer service for, for half a century. And, and honestly, if you don't know how to treat people, I think you have bigger issues in your business than that. Now, I don't mean to be dismissive, 
But we've been talking about it for a long time. We certainly, when we have younger employees who may not have grown up in a world where they experience great service, you know, we have to model that for them. We have to teach that to them. But we remember the old adage, you know, if you're if you're walking through your, your business and there's a piece of paper crumbled on the floor, whose job is it to pick it up? It's everyone's. We know how to smile and be nice to people. Not that it's unimportant. I just think there's enough people talking about it right now. But the experience is different. The experience is how do we... As customers, and whatever you call your customers, your audience, it could be customers, clients, patients, constituents, right? Whatever, whoever you serve, how do they experience doing business with you? And that's what's changed in such a significant way. And then I'll get into loyalty and customer relationships. But the customer experience is judged by the customer, right? We think. And I, I talked to, to business leaders. I, I've spoken to 24 countries around the world. And if you ask them, what's your competitive advantage? You always get some version of, of quality, right? Commitment, caring, people. Our people make the difference. But, but predominantly, it's quality. Quality is the differentiator. And I would beg to differ today because I think quality is expected, right? With social media, you would be outed if you weren't good at what you did, right? Yelp and TripAdvisor and Rotten Tomatoes and Glassdoor. But how easy are you to work with? How easy is it to find the information? How easy is it to order and ask for a change or complain, right? We love to talk about quality and commitment and caring, trust in people. Here's what the research shows. Today, the primary differentiators are speed, speed of service, speed of access, speed of answers, uh, flexibility, accommodation, and convenience. Today, for the first time ever, convenience has supplanted quality as the primary driver for, for business. And it doesn't mean that quality is unimportant. Once again, quality is assumed. And so how easy is your process? How complicated? How frustrating is it? And so what you've seen, and we both alluded to that, right, with COVID as an accelerant, think about the new generation of conveniences, right? I, I, have my, I, gro I have my groceries delivered to my house. I would never have done that before. You and I, as we're recording this right now, most people are listening to it audio, but you and I are looking at each other face to face. We're on different sides of the planet. For my parents' generation, it's magic. For you and I, it's Monday, right? The world is different. And so expectations have changed. I ask audiences all the time. I said, anybody notice that your customers or clients are a little more impatient, a little more demanding, and they all laugh like, you know, welcome to my life. But I tell them why, right? Because of what we've come to expect uh, from others. I don't expect I can get my hair cut at four o'clock in the morning, but I certainly expect I can make an appointment to do so. And those companies that are are reluctant or resistant or, listen, we're going back to the way things were and, and here's how we've done it for 50 years, you're being left behind. Now let's go into the other ones. So customer service is what we deliver. I think we kind of get that. The experience is what we receive and how we evaluate. Do we want to do business with them again? Were they frustrating? And um, the other one you says customer loyalty. Loyalty is is a result is is a is a result of time plus interactions. Right equals loyalty. Right. What is it that we've come to expect? Have our needs been met? Um, is it is it preferable? Um, there there are things that companies do for customer retention that loyalty is basically baked into the system because it's really hard to leave. Not because we love them, but because they put up barriers and costs and things like that. But true loyalty is, is much harder to win 
and earn today because it's becoming easier and easier to leave you. Um, one of, one of my, my most recent books, my second to last book is a company called Why Customers Leave and How to Win Them Back. And we're in seven languages around the world. And, and people would ask me, so Dave, why do customers leave? Well, customers leave for one basic reason, because they can. Right? We have more choices than we've ever had before. So loyalty, and I'm glad you brought that up, is a really important issue. And we can talk about more uh, about it as we go. But it's we have, we have to work harder to earn it because there's so many other choices. And it's really easy just to choose someone else. Right, And then the last one you said was, was relationships. Relationships is a really tricky thing. Um, and not because it's hard to earn. I think I think we know the basis of basics of, of how to earn that. But the relationship in most cases is much, much, much more important to the vendor than it is to the customer. And so people talk about all the time for us, you talk about anybody in banking or finance, right? And what's your difference? And they'll say, it's this, it's it's the connection, it's the relationship. We know our customers by name. We know how important it is to the bank to create a relationship. You know what I want? I, I, I speak at an event. They give me a nice check. I get in the back of the Uber. I take a picture of it with my phone. It, it deposits. I don't have to go to the bank. My daughter's off at university. She sends me a text message. She needs money. By the way, her, her ringtone is a cash register sound. She was home, <laughs> she was home at Christmas. A ringtone for you. Yeah, right. And it comes on my yeah. phone. You hear this cha-ching. And she goes, what was that? I said, that was apparently you texting me from the couch. And she says, dad, a cash register? Really? I said, well, you generally want money. What do you want? She's like, never mind. Right? But none of those transactions involve somebody asking, so what are your plans for the weekend? Right? Your basic bank script. Banks are scrambling because what they thought the relationship was, in many cases, is no longer the way we interact with them. So relationships are really important, but rarely do you talk, do you hear a customer saying, I want a really good relationship with my grocery store. I want a really good relationship with my auto mechanic. You know, we just want quick service. We want a fair price. Um, doesn't mean the other things are important. It's just harder today than ever. And I'll leave you with one last thing here is it's more important than ever. The level of service, the level of simplicity, because there's so many ways to complain and share our displeasure with the masses. So there's, 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 I always find myself saying this after the first question. There's a lot to unwrap there in a lot of different directions. Well, you we asked me four questions. You asked me four questions. Oh, oh, I know. I know. And there was loads. Of, I'm not complaining. Okay. That isn't a complaint, by the way. That was good service. All right. Just, uh, just or, a good ex or a good experience, should I say. Um, so, so a couple of things that I want to explore, first of all, with that. So let's start um, with the convenience aspect. Sure. So... Does convenience trump experience? Uh, let me give you an example. I, uh, I I try when I can to fly with British Airways, not because they're the best, but because from where I am, I'm going to get more routes and I'm going to collect my Avios and I'm going to get my, my, hopefully, collect my points and get my free flights or whatever it might be. So it's in my sure. interest to try and build up that those loyalty points. 
Um, but yeah, I've, I've experienced shocking service from them on a recent flight. I have complained and uh, three weeks later, I still cannot get a response to my complaint despite emails, tweets, and even asking at the airport. And at Absolutely. the airport, I said, is, is there anywhere to complain, to chase up a complaint here? And, uh, she said, no, I'm afraid not. And I said, they don't want my complaints, do they? She's laughed and said, no. Um, uh, but I still book with them because it's convenient for me to do so. Um, Emirates, I had horrific experience with them, absolutely shocking. And actually, I wouldn't go with them because I've got alternatives. So is convenience trumping experience in many cases? Um, it, it, it can. Um, and let me, let me throw a, a broad uh, filter over everything. The four most dangerous words in business, if you are in business, the four most dangerous words are all things being equal, right? All things being equal, we'll what opt for the lowest price, we'll go for whoever's closest, whoever's cheaper, right? And so the, the first admonition is, is work really hard to make sure that everything isn't equal. Create some competitive advantage. It's got to be an advantage that your customers care about. But let's be clear. We really do have a, a measure of parity among industries today. Everybody's good, or at least good enough. And sometimes good enough at a lower price point is a better choice, right? So for the first time ever, we have such not only choices, but really per, um, pervasive quality across all categories. Every airline can get you from one place to the other. We're, we're dealing in America right now with a huge issue of, of canceled flights, thousands and thousands of flights canceled every day. They don't have enough, they don't have enough pilots. They have so many excuses. Same here. Yeah. Right. Right. And so when it comes to convenience, right, if everybody's good, everybody can do it. It really comes down to who's got the lowest price and who is the cheaper. Well, what we're seeing today as, um, to bring up what, what you had, had, had asked about, which is specifically about convenience, if something is con more convenient, if I can get it faster, um, even if it's been a pain, if there's been an underperformance, I can get mad and I can cut off my nose to spite my face and say, I'm not flying with them again. And now I got to travel to Gatwick and do some other, right? Right. You have to, we look at the alternative. Is it less convenient for us to make our point and pound our fist? If it is, we probably just swallow our pride and, and do it, right? Because if somebody can get it to us faster, Amazon has a really interesting strategy. And I'll, I'll get the statistic wrong, but the, but the strategy is right. So you ever notice when you're on Amazon and there's a product that you like, if you scroll down, you see rows and rows and rows of similar products, right? Because they're giving you suggestions of other things you might want to buy. If you look really, really closely, you'll see the same item that you were looking at two or three different times, like on each row, correct? If you look really closely, you'll notice it's a different deal in each one of them. Like one of them might be a little bit more expensive, but it's one day earlier. One of them might be prime. And they have found, and of course, this is all big data, the amount of data points you can cross-reference, you can be more predictive in terms of, of our behavior, is that people are willing to pay like 16% more for the same item to get it one day earlier, even if they don't need it one day earlier, yeah. right? And so it's answering your question. We will so often opt for convenience. Now, this is really important information for all of us in business. We can lament, oh, these kids, these millennials are so impatient. It's everybody, right? I guarantee if I came to your house right now, Andy, I, I went in your kitchen and looked at your microwave oven 
I guarantee you it's at two seconds, right? Because you couldn't wait. The last ones, right? We're all impatient. And so armed with that information, as we as business people, whatever we call the people that we serve, can we simplify a process? Can we shorten? Can we create a way for them to skip the line and not listen to the things they don't need to listen to? Right? When we get to a buffet and we just need to refill our drink, we don't want to sit at the end of the line while somebody else is scooping out their food. When you call a company and they say, please listen closely as our menu options have changed. And you have to listen to every single option when you just want to talk to a real person, right? But they should say, if you want to speak to an operator, please press zero. But you have to go through all of them first. It's important that we understand this today because, because people won't. Right? They won't if it's, if it's complicated, if they have to wait, they won't unless they have to. If you're at an amusement park, yeah. if you're at Disneyland in Paris and you want a burger, you have to pay what they pay because there aren't choices. But we all have choices. So when we look at convenience, we have to look at it within the, 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 the confines of our industry. How does our industry normally do it? What is that customer journey? Can we simplify it? Can we shorten it? Can you take a couple of people in your company put them in a room, order Chinese food, close the door and say, don't leave that room until you've cut four steps off your process. And, and Andy, you will future-proof your business because if somebody can get something faster, easier, easier communication, we understand supply chain, there's certain realities to every business sector, I get it. But the way you do things isn't necessarily the way it has to be done because your customers are getting used to getting it easier, faster, facial recognition, those kinds of things simplified, become ridiculously easy to do business with, and you will be around for the next 20 years. We hope that you're taking away some valuable lessons from this edition of the Connected Leadership Podcast. If you would like support in developing, nurturing, and leveraging strong relationships to support you in your role, please visit andylapata.com forward slash mentoring. Okay, so let's um, let's dig a little deeper into this because sure. obviously my business model and the premise of this podcast is focused on the impact strong relationships bring to your business, Ooh. and that includes, as I said in the introduction, your external relationships, your customer-client relationships, as well as your internal ones. Uh, is there a difference here uh, depending on the business model you have? So, for example, if you're selling products, uh, what you're saying might be more relevant than if you're selling services. If you're selling business to consumer compared to sure. business to business, uh, where are those lines there? Because I'm thinking uh, an accountant who's uh, offering services to a business, to a finance director, do they want the stronger relationship? Or in fact, if the, it's a finance director saying, I just want to go into QuickBooks or whichever the package is, click a few things and know where I'm at. Yeah, well, I mean, that... That's probably the one part of business that sort of mirrors how things have been done in yesteryear. If you are truly transactional, the relationship is different, right? If you're selling online and the vast majority of your purchases are online, it doesn't mean the relationship is unimportant. It's just very, very different, right? If, it, if it's transactional, do you is there an opportunity to talk to a real person, right? I'm one of these people and I, and I do customer experience for a living. I hate chatbots. I hate them. I hate them. They're horrible. I'm not naive and they are here to stay and they are getting better 
And it's gone from sort of a, a virtual FAQ to reasonable in some cases, as long as there is an off-ramp. And so even if you're in a, in a purely transactional kind of an environment, is there an off-ramp to a real person? I'm the person that's on the phone. You know, if you're bleeding from the head, press one. If you're, I'm like, real person, real person, real person, real person, right? I think you said, you know, January. No, real person, right? Don't make us frustrated because there's so many places for us to continue so, or, or to complain. So if you're purely transactional, give us an off-ramp to a real person. I understand staffing issues. Give us at least that option to make it happen. Now, of course, as you had said, professional service providers, that relationship is still very important. Um, and but, but my advice is look at those parts of your business that are uh, functional aspects of your business, whether it's billing, whether it's, it's appointment setting, um, answers to questions during busy times and tax season or things like that. Look at other industries. When you're talking about relationships, here's, here's an interesting relationship you had and probably people don't talk about very much. What are the professional relationships that help us get better at what we do? What are the other industries, whether you're a member of a group like Vistage or YPO, what can somebody in a logistics company dealing with shipping learn from somebody who owns 50 restaurants about hiring and managing frontline people? How are we learning from other industries and gleaning some of those best practices that maybe have never been applied in our industry before, right? People, I mean, the easiest one for people to say, well, I'm not Amazon. You can't expect us to be Amazon. Well, you can complain all you want, but if I know I can get it from Amazon, right, what are the things that Amazon does that maybe a professional service provider can learn from? And so as we have a broad view and as we've developed relationships with other professionals to share information, you know, whether it's, it's a, and, and I know in many industries, mastermind groups get together to, to share ideas, to share wisdom. What are you seeing? Let's look around the corner. Let's look over the horizon. What do we think people in our industry are going to want or need or expect 18 months from now? And then the question is, what do we need to be doing now to start modifying or putting those pieces in place so that our, our services are delivered in that way. Now, all of that is in addition to, of course, the relationship we have with our customers and clients, but those relationships can go south. I don't know if that's a, an American colloquialism. No, no, can, we use that as well. Okay, can, can turn, for you, it's going south, going to, to Brighton or, or Hove, <laughs> yeah. Hove, actually. Somebody told me as, as a sidebar, somebody says, it's not Brighton, it's, it, the, the place is called Hove, actually. I said, what's Hove, actually? And they said, "What's people that listen? We live in Hove, actually. It's it's Hove, actually. <laughs> Sorry, I thought it was that. But but relationships can can turn bad quickly if your customers are frustrated, right? With some of the pedestrian things that happen. Those are some of the significant changes, right? You, be good at what you do. Build these great relationships. But if somebody has to wait three days and make multiple calls, just as you have talked about with Emirates or with with British Airways." Um, the pilot had nothing to do with that, right? The in-service people are doing a great job, but there's some aspect that made you so frustrated that your loyalty is at risk. And so yeah. what I would say, take a step back, walk your customer's journey, look for points of friction and points of friction are delay, frustration. Are we saying no to stupid things that we could say yes to? Um, that's, that's, a whole other, that's a whole other subject but we're very rigid. This is the way we do business. We're supposed to, if COVID taught, taught us anything is that there's 
alternate ways of doing things, and they may turn out to be revenue sources as well. Uh, and just in case anyone from British Airways is listening, put that off ramp on your chat box because that was one hell of a source of frustration for me. Uh, so, so let's uh, go to the the transactional side, the product side, the Amazons, sure. uh, and so forth. We see a lot of brands, a lot of retail brands, put a lot of effort into trying to create an online personality and through that build a relationship with their their customer base. Sure. If if it's convenience that we're buying, if it's a transaction and we're just looking for the simplest transaction, do you think there are some brands that are trying too hard and investing too much into building those customer relationships? Or is there an end that they are benefiting from? No, what a great question. Um, I, I don't think anybody can try too hard. I, I think their efforts can be misplaced. And here's what I mean. There's no shortage of companies and vendors who are trying to sell businesses new conveniences, right? You and I are in the, in the speaking business. We deliver content um, in front of the room and on, online and others as well. And there's no shortage of, of vendors out there trying to convince people that the world is virtual and here's new virtual platforms, and everything else. Bless their hearts, right? Everybody's working to feed their families. But too many companies buy into the conveniences that make their life easier, but make their customer's life more difficult. And here's what I mean. When you go to a doctor's office and they hand you this great new technology and you have to figure out how and put in your information, everything else. <clears throat> and I'm like, really? So that the receptionist doesn't have to enter your information. Let's give it to the guy that's bleeding from the abdomen, right? He's the one who should be doing the work. Really? And so here's this wonderful convenience, but did you make your life, your customer's life more difficult? Because I, I went to, to my bank and, and I needed something notarized, official document, whatever else. And I went to the front and they said, you need to, um, you need to scan this code, log into the app and get on our, our digital waiting list. And I said, well, there's nobody here. I said, yeah, but that's our process. You have to go through this true story. And, and the person is 15 feet away. And so. I try and log it and it doesn't work. And I show her my phone and she's trying to, I said, well, can I just go over, sir? And she gives me that, that sort of, I, I, I don't know what to, to tell you, sir. Like, but this is our process. And so you have to get on the digital waiting list. So I go over there and I stand off to the side. I'm there 20 minutes. Two people go in front of me. It works on theirs. I'm trying to, finally a bank manager walks by. This was just in August. Walks by me and says, are you being helped? And I said, no. Well, what can I do for you? I said, I just need this thing notarized. But they said, the only way to do it is if I get on your digital waiting list, it doesn't work on my phone. I'm just standing here. I have nothing to do. And they can't help me unless, and she's like, I am so sorry. Just come with me. And we went over and sat down, right? The challenge that businesses have today, they've got to ask this hard question. Is it of benefit to us? In, in creating something that's of benefit to us, simplification of process, does it make our customer's life more difficult? And it adds up over time, right? You go to the grocery store. I have, I have a shopping cart overflowing because I've got all these teenagers at home and they try to direct me to self-checkout. And I'm thinking, I don't work here. I didn't say it out loud because I don't want to be insulting. I'm horrible. I am a horrible self-checker. Every item is an unexpected item in the bagging area. It's horrible. I'm really bad at it. Because you know what, Andy? I didn't get trained. I don't work there. I don't get a paycheck. Now, my wife loves it, right? But just give them, they said, no, 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 but we, you get it, you have options. I said, it's not an option. If you got one self, one person staffed with nine carts in a row and 24 self-checkout, 
it's social engineering. They're just trying to get us to do business the way they want because it saves them money, right? And then we go crazy and we get frustrated and I overreact. You go to the airport, you have to tag your own bags. I know it sounds really spoiled. I sound like the spoiled American. The point is conveniences are great, but if they're all put on us to do all the work ourselves, it can add up. And so we're in a time where we've heard the term omni-channel and omni-channel is however your customers want to do business with you and give you money, let them make it easy for them. So technology can be phenomenal as long as you're not using it to avoid having to do work. You ever go to a website, you were mentioning this before, you go to a website and there is no phone number. I mean, you just have a question, a simple, there is no phone number. Andy, you and I both know they made a conscious decision as a leadership team, a conscious decision. We will not let our customers call us. Those pesky customers who, who, who pay our bills and our, and our family. That's the wrong use of technology. Now, understand there's a balance. I'm not naive about how business is done. But at some point, it's the law of diminishing return. You've cut so many people. You've put so much do-it-yourself in the, in the hands of your customers that they start looking for other choices. And uh, the biggest source of lost revenue for every company, the biggest source of lost revenue is the customer you never knew about. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, it's not just processes, is it, that people are outsourcing? Businesses are outsourcing relationship building as well. Uh, the, the example that you gave where they're automating it. You've got chatbots that are, that are trying to build a relationship with you, chatbots Ugh. with personality. You have social media teams uh, who are the main point of relationship building. And even to the degree of taking away um, staff, I'm trying to think of the right word, but the, the, the staff auto autonomy, being able to trust their staff to actually find the solution rather than go down that process. So, I realize I haven't asked you the question yet, and maybe we're just covering it with everything we do about progress and changes over the years in terms sure. of the customer experience world. Um, it's one of those big changes that's really taken over the world. Hey, digitization is here. Social media is here. And you can use automation is here. And you can use all of this to build relationships. And they're taking it away from human beings. Well, what it, it's a trend that you, you could see in, you know, dystopian science fiction or anything else to, um, the, the challenge is, is when people opt for expediency over effectiveness, they opt for efficiency over relationships because someone will tell them, um, you can click one button and email 200,000 people. Look how much time you saved. Right. And so the question, of course, we would ask is, how effective was that communication to those 200,000 people? Were they, did they feel like they got an automated message? How many, how many emails do you delete every day without ever reading, right? Because you can tell it's just crap. It's spam and spam and spam and spam. I ask my clients all the time, do you want to be spam? Do you want to be dismissible? Somebody, somebody sold you on the idea. Look how efficient you can do. For just this, you can do it on two clicks or one click. Right. And, and the reality is, and it's a whole chapter in my book about why customers leave is, and, and the worst part is we do it to the best customers. 
right? Because as they say, the greatest predictor of future behavior is past behavior, right? So we take somebody who is, who is bought from us. The people most likely to buy from us are the people who bought from us before. And so somebody buys from us. So we immediately inundate them with surveys. We inundate them with spam and ads. Um, they, we, there's some vendors. If I buy something online, I get two or three a day and then I just unsubscribe and unsubscribe. And it's so counterintuitive, the the relationships we want to nurture, because we know they like us because they already bought something from us. Those are the people. And then they're, and then they're, they're okay with, with the scraps. They're okay with, well, we had a 0.5% return, but on a million people, that's this much money. What they don't recognize is how many great sales they could have gotten, relationships they could have built if they had just backed off a little bit, found a way to do some kind of in-person. It doesn't work with every business model, but but do less of the frustrating, stop frustrating customers that already like you. You know, if you, <clears throat> this is where automation comes in. You get services like Infusionsoft, which we call it Confusionsoft and others. You buy from somebody, you get an email that says, um, thank you for buying. Would you please take a quick survey? Tell us what you, and you don't, you ignore it and you, and you uh, delete it. Well, two days later, you get another automated email. You must've missed our, our, uh, our survey. Please take the survey. And you're like, well, you didn't want to do it. And by the third or fourth time they've reminded you, well, now you're frustrated, right? I might've liked them just fine. Well, now I don't because they piss me off because they inundate me. And I know it's, I know it's not a real person that did that. It was some automated system, but, but why on earth would you automate outreach? I understand automate pedestrian things, automate billing, automate your newsletter, right? But individual communication, once again, you have no idea how much business you're losing with somebody who would have loved you had they not gotten an impersonal, uh, right, impersonal message. And so I think technology is, is used very poorly when we digitize our communication. It's fine. I mean, my, my whole, um, my advice is digitize, automate the pedestrian one-way communication um, processes, but personalize um, the communication, the sales, the follow-up, the appreciation, all of that. The, the the surveys are, are, are a great example because oh. you get them for everything now. Um, I can, uh, you know, I I have a, a contributory health scheme, and every time I go to the dentist or the optician or whatever it might be, I can claim money back. Every time I get a payment, I get an, um, uh, an email saying, "How did we do?" Well, you'll know. Trust me, if you didn't right. do well, and but, and otherwise, you you can only meet my expectations. I'd love it if you exceeded them, but I can't see that happening when but, you're making a payment to me. But it, it's a difficult. They're in a difficult position, and here's where I get for all of us in in business, all of you listening. We we need feedback, right? We need to find out first and foremost. We need to find out if we screwed up because people were unhappy. Yeah. They go online. It's Yelp and TripAdvisor and all that. We got to head those things off. When I uh. When I drive my car back to the car rental place, if, if I rent a car when I'm traveling and I go to Enterprise and they say the same thing to me every time, right? Welcome back, Mr. Averin. How was the Camry? It was fine. Thanks. Did you have a chance to fill it up? No, go ahead and charge me. And then they say the same thing every time. Is there anything we could have done to have made this a more outstanding experience? Well, you know what they're saying. They're saying, please, God, don't go on TripAdvisor and trash us. Please let me fix it now, right? They're trying to head off negative reviews. 
right? Because they can be devastating to a company. So part of the surveys is to find out if there was something frustrating so they can quickly head it off, address the issue. How can we make it right? I totally get that. Um, and then the other part is, is they get you on their mailing list, right? You respond and now they can market to you. Um, I'm not against surveys, but ask, I, I say, ask once, ask quickly, even at the point of purchase, right? Um, it's okay to ask, but just, just do it once. Right. Um, but there's also the other thing is you can look for visual signs or other signs of displeasure. If you're at a restaurant and you come by and say, was everything okay? Look at the, if one person didn't touch their food, I can guarantee you there was somebody who was unhappy. Well, ask the question, was there, what, did you not like that? Can I get you? Oh, no, 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 please, please let me. Right. Now we've just headed something off. Somebody who used to buy from you all the time that you haven't heard from in, in a year. It's worth the special outreach, but it's the automating, it's the the volume, it's the expediency and the efficiency over effectiveness that is is frustrating people like nothing else right now. The other frustration for me is uh, if I'm going to answer your survey, even if it's one question, I want to feel that you're listening to my answer. And, and I've felt over the years, I think the biggest uh, criminal in, in this whole scenario um, from a sales perspective is net promoter score, um, yeah. where people ask you, how likely would you be to refer us? I've never been asked that question and then been asked for a referral if I've scored highly. I've never been asked that question and then been asked why not if I've scored lowly. Interesting. Uh, and, and so as someone who teaches referrals, I hate net promoter score because it's not used for that. It's used for people to say, look how high our net promoter score is. That's a great observation. Yeah, it's not built on individual uh, connections, individual conversations. And I think it's a great illustration of issues with these surveys. Is anything actually done with them? How many times have you filled out a survey without being wholly satisfied and had someone reach out to you? and say, we've looked at your survey and we, we can see you're not wholly satisfied. Because surely if you've said that and they've ignored right. it, that's a demerit. Right. That's well, going to damage smart, your relationship. Smart companies actually have systems in place that if it's a one to five score and it's anything of three or below, automatically triggers yeah. a call, right? For something like that. I think GoDaddy's pretty good at that. Uh, a few of the other ones. But there's other companies that just pay lip service. You know, the companies like Facebook, right? Where you can't reach a real person. One of my big challenges is, and it's in a lot, it happens to a lot of people is that my pictures get stolen and created fake profiles and people yeah. get scammed. So I, I hear from probably a half dozen a week of people who've been scammed and I find all these people, most of them don't use my name. They just use my pictures of my kids. And I send, I report them to Facebook. There's a mechanism in place. You can report it, pretending to be somebody, me, whatever. And in, in the last two years, every single one that I've reported, an automated message come back says, we've reviewed it and it does not violate our policy. Well, it does. They're using my name and pictures of my children and they're scamming people. It's pretty clear, but they're just paying lip service to it, which is really frustrating. There's no real person that, that reviewed that. I would assume that the number of people when you got, you know, Facebook is probably the biggest country in the world right now. And you look at, at actual numbers. Um, there's a little bit of cultural lag right now of businesses trying to figure out how do we respond? How do we solve and still scale, right? That's the biggest challenge, right? How do we scale and still be of service? And too many are failing and failing miserably. 
So when you talked earlier about look at what other industries are doing, look at what other businesses are doing and what can you take from that and improve, can we add to that? But do it at a pace you can cope with and do it meaningfully. Because if you just say surveys are really working there, let's add surveys, but you don't have the process to really handle the responses properly, you're going to do damage. If you say, Be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The AI, the chatbots are working really well there, but you're not in a position really to to give the off-ramp, don't use AI and so forth. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier that you've got a, I know you've got a chapter in your book about uh, lost customers and you said that you're asked about that a lot. What would you say are the main reasons? And, and you talked about the hidden customers, but what would you say are the key reasons customers are leaving and what can brands do to bring them back? Well, there's several. Um, I think first and foremost is, is a frustrating process. Uh, a delay. Uh, if if you if you go online and it's not uh, intuitive, if if you aren't redoing your website every year and a half to two years, you're falling behind. I ask audiences all the time, what's what's the most visited website in the world? Right? What's Google? How complicated is their website? Right? Um, people leave because because they're not able to find what they want. If you if you go to a website, here's another big one, and there is no phone number. Right. And here's one thing that actually my colleagues, my speaker colleagues do very often. You go to the website and there is a contact form to fill out. I love it. It puts my kids through university. And of course, in America, we have to pay for all of that. Um, and I will be for the next 30 years. Um, <laughs> but if you are hard to reach, it's a huge one. Uh, your, if, if you have a, a contact form on your website and it's really the primary way to reach you, you're losing more customers than is than are driven away by your worst employee. I, I saw a statistic that said 86% of people will never fill out a contact form. And business leaders say all the time, well, people fill out my form. form. I said, you have no idea how many people don't. Yeah. The contact form is voicemail of the internet, right? You call somebody, you leave me a message. No, you just go on to the next one. So we're losing a lot of business we don't know about because we're hard to reach. That's a really big one. Um, we are we are frustrating our customers because we are rigid. That's another really big one as well. You had mentioned that before, and I think you're you're dead on. Is that we we neuter our employees, right? When we we when we want to hire the right people, we go we look over their resume. We might call their references. We look them up on social media. Listen, we all do. We have to. You got to find out is this the right person. We ask them hard questions, right? Tell me about a situation that was that didn't work out well. How did you handle it, right? And then when we hire them, we neuter them. Now just do it this way. We don't we don't want them to make because it's scary. It's scary when our letting our people make decisions or be flexible because here's our our model and this is how we can have predictability and income and behavior. And when somebody goes outside of that, the problem is when you preclude your your employees from making reasonable decisions. Um, you might stop them from making wrong decisions, but they also can't make good decisions as well. And so um, it's one of the challenges. And the solution to that is to train our employees what a good decision looks like. Not just quoting policy, but here's what a good decision looks like within the construct of our business model and how we make money. Make sense? So that's one of the other ones. Um, then the one I mentioned before about, about over-serving, it's like let's, instead of nurturing um, and massaging those great relationships, we take them for granted and we abuse them. 
right? Um, and then and then back to sort of talking to the brick wall uh, and reading the script. I remember saying to somebody, I was talking to the cable company and really frustrated. They just kept saying the same thing. And I said, I yeah. promise <laughs> you that the the problem I want to discuss is more important than the script you want to read. And they don't know how to, re- they're like, I, I, I understand how frustrated you must be. So I said, please <laughs> don't, read, don't, don't read the script, right? But nobody's trying to do a bad job, right? Nobody's, right? They're just not flexible. I was, um, oh, here's the other one, is that we say no for ridiculous reasons. Um, and those ridiculous reasons are just consistency. You're at a restaurant and you order a Caesar salad and you say to the waiter, can I get, um, can I get shrimp instead of chicken? Uh, on on that, and they say, "Oh, I'm so sorry. No menu substitutions. Why? Why? But you know why? Because they don't. Because they don't want to figure it out, right? Because they. Well, it's just another protein. Charge a couple of extra pounds, and and they're thrilled. But instead, they don't come back. Right? I was leaving a hotel seven in the morning, about to speak to a CEO group, and I said to the front desk, um, "I'm in room two twenty seven. I need to do a late checkout, please." And she goes, "Oh, I'm so sorry, sir. There's no no late checkouts." I said, "Oh." Uh, I'm, I'm leaving right now. And she says, yeah, we have a conference coming in. And my manager said, no late checkouts. I said, well, I, I can't be out. And she says, well, if you can't be out by noon, we're going to have to charge you for a second day. And I said, because I teach this, right? So I paused and I said, okay, if you're charging me for a second day, I'm just not going to check out. I mean, if I pay for it, I'll just keep it. So I'll just keep the room. But now you don't have a room for that conference attendee who's flying in. Is that the outcome you were looking for? And she's like, uh, right. Goes to the back room, comes back. One o'clock would be fine. Of course. It would, <laughs> right. But here's the point. Did she want to say yes? Of course she did. Here, here's the point. The excuse we get for not being flexible is that, well, if we do it for you, we have to do it for everybody. And here's a little secret. No, you don't. You don't have to do it. First of all, most people aren't going to ask for a special accommodation, which makes it really easy Bend over backwards. Say yes. It doesn't mean it's always yes. If you have a vegan restaurant and somebody wants a buffalo burger, sorry, it's a hard no, you know. But here's the magic phrase for anybody: if you have customer-facing people, the magic phrase is this: "Let me tell you what I can do." That's it. Anything that follows that is helpful. And so, long short answer is: people leave because there's other choices. They leave because they've been frustrated or they didn't feel like they were being listened to. In yesteryear, being really good at what you do, delivering great quality products and services, that was enough. Today, there's a lot of really great people who provide great customers and services. And and here's the worst thing about your competitors, right? We all have competitors. The worst thing about your competitors is that most of them are really, really nice people. Right. We're all just, you and I are, are colleagues, but we're competitors, sort of. I yeah. mean, we're all in the same industry. Everybody's trying to feed their families. Every, there's a lot of really good people. I hear all the time saying, you know what makes us different? We really listen to our customers and we tailor our solutions to meet their individual needs. Grow up. You think, you think you're the only one that listens? Everybody listens. Right. We're different is that we, our customers come first, really. And for your competitors, they come third. It's just ridiculous. The fact is, everybody's good. We're all good people doing the best we can. Our customers have choices. Make sure that you get beyond quality and doing what you say you're going to do and make their life easier. Be easier to get in touch with. Simplify a process. Stop 
bombarding them with with spam emails. It, it's one of those things that, as they say, it's simple, but it's not easy. Today, the key to winning in business is being ridiculously easy to do business with. As you shared that with me, I had a vision of uh, the comedy sketch show from about 10 years ago. I don't know whether it was bigger than the US, Little Britain. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw Little Britain, but they had no, a I sketch. Didn't. They had a sketch where David Walliams would play a woman in a travel agent or whatever it would be. People would come in and ask for, for something and David Walliams would tap on a keyboard and then just say, the computer says no. Right. And that was precisely, uh, if you just look on YouTube for the computer says no, you'll find tons of sketches from Little Britain with that. And even further, uh, a longer time ago, and I'm showing my age now, in the 70s uh, and 80s on British TV, we had a consumer program called That's Life. And every week they would give away a Jobsworth Award. And that was to the person who would say, I can't do that. It's more than my Jobsworth um coining the yeah. phrase the job's worth and, and yeah. i think that 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 really encapsulates what you what you outlined there well and and today the challenge is um and like i said it's not a customer service because i think most people do care i just think they've had um they they've had body parts cut off let's just say that in a nice way they're just not able to do more they say i'm sorry that's our policy right and so we have this wonderful colleague, uh, Tim Gard, who is one of the funniest people on the planet. Oh, yes. yeah. And he has his own policy manual. So when they say, I'm sorry, a policy says no, he opens his own policy manual. Well, my policy manual says yes. It's, it's the most hilarious. He's a brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. Look him up, Tim Gard. Um, but it's a response to just, we just feel like we're talking to a brick wall. There's a wonderful scene in the movie, Meet the Parents, um, where um, the characters at the... Uh, uh, at the airport and he's trying to check in for the flight. And she says, uh, he says, I'm coming to board. She says, Oh, you're in row eight. We're only boarding rows nine and above. And he says, well, I'm just in row eight. And you look in there and there's nobody in the concourse. It's completely empty. And she says, yeah. I'm sorry, sure. You have to wait. And then she just sits there and the music plays and she just waits. And he looks at the empty room and she just, <laughs> you know, and then finally it's like, thank you for waiting. We're now boarding. It's like, come on, be human. Be human. That's a great note to finish on. And uh, um, so much value, David. I knew you would give that. Some great ideas, some great insights as well. So thank you very much for joining me. It's great to uh, to catch up. And if people want to learn more, just look me up, davidaverin.com. And uh, I will see you in Dublin, Ireland coming up soon. I will see you in Dublin at the end of September, beginning of October. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, David. It's so thank you, David, for joining me. Uh, I promised a, a really sharp mind and fresh ideas. I think we, we definitely got that. Uh, I can back up what, what David said about Tim Gard as well. Tim has agreed to come onto the podcast. We just haven't been able to make that happen yet. Um, but that will be great fun uh, when we can get him, him to do so. We want to look, as I said before, we, we're going to have a... I think more than one episode where we're going to look at the use of humour in business and Tim is uh, one of the names at the top of my list uh, for that discussion. I can't let David mention uh, bombarding people with newsletters uh, without mentioning something I never do, which is I have a newsletter and I don't bombard you. It's only every three weeks. Once every three weeks, it's called Connecting is Not Enough. Uh, and you, if you go to my website, andylaparta.com, 
uh, you can sign up at the bottom of the, the home page. I'm going there now because I'm going to check what my contact form and contact details look like. Uh, in the meantime, if you enjoyed this, please share it on social media. Please tell your network about it. Leave a rating, leave a review uh, and join us again on the Connected Leadership Thank you for listening to the Connected Leadership Podcast. If you found this valuable, please subscribe, tell your colleagues and friends, share on social media, and post a review on the podcast channel you use to listen to it. And of course, join us again soon for another interesting interview and great connected leadership tips.